right you hear the intro it's time it's time your boys are back again we have got some pay-per-view slash premium live events to talk about definitely been a a good one for wrestling wise i could say yeah like we had forbidden door on sunday as we're recording this last sunday we had money in the bank last night we had blood and guts for those that freaking actually enjoyed it. Like, it's it, it's been some really good stuff with wrestling. But again, we've also got the fucking injury bug for a lot of people also. Which just... Yeah. Oh boy. Just... The, the injury bug needs to go fuck itself mm-hmm. at this point. Because I'm tired of seeing this person got injured, that person got injured. Like, yeah, it, it, it's plaguing just so many people. It, it's it's absolutely insane. Like, so normally we do our full week coverage, you know, talk the most important stuff. Kind of just here and there, like tidbits with the non-important stuff. I don't really think we need to bother talking about Raw we don't really need to bother talking about SmackDown. We honestly don't really even need to be bo- like bother talking about NXT because it was just final build for Great American Bash. Mm-hmm. So nothing of that in like nothing of too importance like right now. Like yeah, SmackDown had our final addition to Money in the Bank for last night, but it was like a clusterfuck of a show because. You kick it off with a battle royal that makes zero fucking sense, and then end it with four guys having to compete again just to get the last person in. It just absolute fucking mess. So we're only going to talk about Money in the Bank, Forbidden, Forbidden Door, Door, and and the and probably bloody, just blood and guts match because yeah, because the 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 rest of the AEW show was pretty pretty mm, subpar. Yeah, subpar ain't the word mediocre in the most part like it was just it, everything on the show was basically just filler to lead into blood and guts yeah and that was it so forbidden door as of today of this recording last sunday in the end what was your consensus of the show um going into it I I had the the same opinion as a lot of people did, mm-hmm. being that it was it's hard to get invested when there's no actual story behind anything I mean, besides no. just supremacy or just which brand is the better one. I mean, it wasn't even really. It didn't even feel like a fucking supremacy battle. Yeah, it, it didn't even. It feel literally like that. just felt like a show to have a show. Like yeah. weird, very very weird. So we had. Four kickoff show matches, which is nuts. Like, four kickoff show matches. We had Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi teaming up to face QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. 
Now, have you seen Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi before? I have not. So not this was since, your first yeah, of just, them? Yeah, just the, this match. What was your consensus of the two of them? To be completely honest with you, <laughs> by the end, like, by, like, midway through the show, I completely forgot anything that happened <laughs> on, the pre- on pre-show matches. On the buy-in, pretty much? Yeah, because it, it, it was just a blur. I so mean, from what I remember, they were pretty good, but it was just like, as soon as we re- we reached like the the All Atlantic Title match, yeah, I was just like, oh right, we had four fucking pre-show matches. <laughs> that's a, that's the sad thing is the pre-show matches get lost in the shuffle, and yeah. they're just like, yep, they happened, okay, but we had Goto and Yoshihashi picking up the win. I love both those guys. They're awesome. Still not giving a shit what Aaron Solo and QT Marshall are doing. Mm-hmm. Let them fuck around on Dark like they've been doing, probably. Don't really care what they're doing. Good to see Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. Just, it was a fine match. The thing is, with QT, though, it's so weird because the guy just... I'll say the guy's got some really crazy athleticism for a guy who looks like he does. Yeah, because he did the uh, the QT special in this match. Mm-hmm. Well, he he tried to do the QT special in this match. Like he he got the he got the 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 handspring part. No, oh, he got the kick too. He got it. No, I mean the dive over the rope. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the Sasuke he, special like he tried to yeah, do. Yeah, as as mm-hmm. uh, Excalibur called it, he called it the QT special. Of course he would, cause uh, why wouldn't he? He got the handspring part, <laughs> but then as soon as he tried to do the dive, he he was like, I I I don't know what happened. He was just like. He just kind of, like, stumbled over the rope. He my issue like a, was he... He pulled a Brody King, basically. My like issue he was the back he of did his it. fucking neck. My issue was he started, I think, was because he started the handspring part too soon. Like, way too late. He got way too close to the ropes, then did the fucking cartwheel, and then tried to do the flip, and it was just, like, last second. He had to try to do something. So I was like, oh, that was his fuck up. Yeah. So, but... It was an okay match. Again, just... Happy to see Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi on the show. Good enough for me. So, solid pre-show kickoff to start with it. We then followed up with another one that absolutely did not need to be on this show at all. We had Lance Archer versus Nick Camarado. Yeah. Why? Especially since, in, in like the grand scheme of things... This is AEW versus AEW. I mean, they're like just I, I know Lance Archer has ties with New Japan. To New Japan. Right? Like, I get it. I understand. But in the grand scheme of things, this is AEW versus AEW. In a nutshell, yes, easily. Like it's just I, in a show that's supposed to be AEW versus New Japan. It's just, I don't get why this match happened. It didn't need to happen. Just random as shit. Nick Camarado, I want to like the guy. But boy, oh boy, he is boring as sin. He is boring as sin. Yeah. Lance Archer, I, I feel so bad for this guy. He is so fucked in this company right now. He's doing absolutely fucking nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And the worst part of it is 
I still remember the beginning of this match where he tried to do the dive and literally, like, spiked himself on his head right off the bat. And I go, oh, my God. I'm like, so we have this match that I have zero fucking cares about. And Lance Archer says, I'll kick it off with an even bigger bang by dropping myself on my head. Because why the hell not? Like, Archer got the win. Pointless fucking match. Don't know why this happened. Yeah. Another pre-show match. Again, four pre-show matches, which is crazy. A little bit overkill. If you yeah, imagine. just a tiny bit. Swerve in our glory. Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland, versus Suzuki Goons, El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Now, I know it's your first time seeing Kanemaru and Desperado. Yep. What's your consensus on the two of them? Uh, they were, they were pretty, they weren't bad. I love those two. And I love the fact that, again, Keith Lee's leg is the target. And you have Desperado, who has the stretch muffler, the numero dos. You have Yoshinobu Kanemaru working the leg as well. Like, I love the beginning part with the whole Keith Lee trying with the test of strength and Kanemaru sit on the top rope and go, Alright, I'm ready, let's go! Like, yeah. Hysterical. Yeah, that part was funny. Very, very good match, though. Mm-hmm. Very good. Like, Swerve and Keith Lee, like, again, they had that miscommunication in the match where Swerve kicks Keith Lee, and it was just like, there's been all that talk that people keep saying, this is going to be the breakup, this is the breakup, and I'm just like, I don't, and then they just don't seem like they pull the trigger on it, and it's so weird, like... Yeah, I, I don't understand why they're even teasing this to begin with, because right? they literally just became a tag team. Right? And now they're going to break up for X re- reason X? Like, yeah. I don't understand. Like, I like just don't the, understand. If the whole it. point was to make them single stars, what was the point of making them a tag team in yeah. the first place? But if you're going to, like, pull the trigger on a, them going back to single stars, what was the point of them being a tag team then? Yeah. Like, fucking weird. It's just a very weird double-edged sword. But again, I like all four of these guys in this match. Really great match. Enjoyed it. Swerve in our glory. Pick up the win with the the, the swerve bomb. Uh, just fantastic. Really enjoyable match. It was weird that it was a pre-show match, but... Another very, very great pre-show match. Mm -hmm. The last pre-show match was Max Caster and Gun Club, all three guns, Billy, Austin, and Colton, versus Yuya Uemura, and then LA Dojo's Alex Coughlin, the DKC, and Kevin Knight. Now, DKC... And Kevin Knight, I have no idea who the hell these guys are. Never seen them yet. So this is my first taste of them. I have to say, solid showing for the Young Lions. Let's just slow the roll there. Hold, wait, no, hold on. Solid showing for Kevin Knight. The DKC did fuck all in this match. The only thing he did was get pinned. I mean, Alex Coughlin looked solid. Well, yeah. So did Yuya. Um, yeah, like, Yuya, Alex, and Kevin looked good. <laughs> the DKC was just... <laughs> non ex- was the, almost was non-existent the, in this match. What was the point of him in this match? But we had the weird beginning of this match, too, where 
Max Caster and the and the Ass Boys or the Ass Family do the entire freaking entrance, and then Danhausen pops up, and pretty much had like something about like he had a new entrance for the Ass Boys, just played his own music, and then they just jet off. Yeah, he played the he played the Ass Boys song that he made for them, on uh, Forbidden Door, yeah. and they ran back. They just go booked it. Fucking, like, find Danhausen, which left Max Caster and Billy all by themselves. So it ended up being a four on two. And again, solid showing for three out of the four of the Young Lions. But Max Caster and Billy Gunn pick up the win anyway. Yeah. So it was like, what the fuck? It was... They, even with the odds against them, they still won. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty interesting choice. To have it, like, devolve into a four-on-two, but still have the two beat the four, like, right? like pretty, pretty, like, handily as well, well. And it just, like, and again, it's trying to play into this whole thing of Billy's pretty much saying that his sons are fucking stupid. Yeah. Because well, even, like, what happened on yeah, Dynamite. They played like, into it on Dynamite where fucking Billy basically sides with... The acclaimed which is weird. Sons. Which is just fucking weird. It's your own goddamn kids, Billy. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me you're siding with the other guys. It's just fucking weird. I don't know. It's I, like I, again, I enjoy their dynamic. The acclaimed and the ass boys together. It's hysterical. Yeah. But like, what are we trying to get to here? Because I don't understand. And it's another one of those situations where like they just these two teams together, right? And now all of a sudden they're doing a fucking breakup again. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're if you're gonna break up these teams or these factions in like a fucking blink of an eye, what's the point of putting them together in the first place? Exactly, exactly. But it was again a decent match for, yeah. to kick off to end the pre-show, the buy-in before the main card. So. Main card kicked off with the trios tag match. Minoru Suzuki, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara versus Eddie Kingston, Shota Umino, and Wheeler Yuta. This might be one of the most enjoyable Chris Jericho matches I've seen in a long time. Yeah, in quite a while. This match fucking ruled. I don't know why this match was... As good as it was, but holy shit. Yeah. This was nuts. This was nuts. Shota Umino. I haven't seen Shooter in God knows how long. Because he's been out in the UK with Rev Pro. The guy looks fantastic. He's gotten... He's bulked up like a motherfucker now. And he's just so good. He's so good. It's nuts. Wheeler Yuta, fantastic. Eddie Kingston, love Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've, I've been on this whole thing of just, I can't stand Chris Jericho. But this was like, tolerable Chris Jericho. Because yeah. there was more elements around it, and not just focusing on Jericho. Mm-hmm. You know, Jericho, again, this match got this all of a sudden got the stipulation of the winning team got the man advantage for blood and guts 
which at that point kind of gave it away yeah. that Jericho was going to win. Which I I hate when they do this in NXT for war games. And yeah. Well, it it's so it, there's no reason for the babyface to have the advantage. Yeah. No. But then they literally did it that one time. Remember? Yeah. They did it that one time where they literally had the babyface team win. I think it was during the women's one. Where they had the women win it, the the babyface women get the man advantage, and I was like, "What?" I'm like, "That it may be the most bizarre choice." Like, I understand. It's, if anything, it's it should just be random. That's what I'm saying. If it's predictable, like it's if it's a man advantage, more than likely the heels should always get the man advantage, the like every time. But it's like they gave the babyface it, and it was just like that one time, and it was like, "Whoa, that's bizarre." Yeah. It's just like any sort of, any sort of like war game slash blood and guts match. As soon as you put the stipulation in, it just, it just makes the match way too obvious. Yeah, it was at that point when that stipulation got thrown in there, it was predictable. And if anything, they should have done a match like this beforehand because what the fuck does Minoru Suzuki have? Right, he's not involved in this match. He, he has no say whatsoever. In the blood and guts match, right? Suzuki so, or Shota are not involved. in Yeah. This match. So what? What the fuck does he have to care about giving Chris Jericho the upper hand in blood and guts? Exactly. And same with Shota. Yeah. Like I like how they played into the Jericho and Shota stuff, like from New Japan. Mm-hmm. I loved how Shota got in there with Minoru Suzuki. I love how. Wheeler got in there with Minoru Suzuki. Like, Eddie Kingston and Minoru Suzuki's fucking interaction was wonderful. Just, I wanted more of that so bad. It was just like a dick tease. It was like, you want this, don't you? Well, keep hoping, guys, because it'll happen eventually. Like, And then, there's one more thing I need to say about this match. And this goes for all the other six or eight yeah. tag team matches on this show. Mm-hmm. Again, the concept for the show is New Japan versus AEW. Yeah, this is AEW and New Japan. So team why the hell would Minoru Suzuki and Shota want... They wouldn't want to win, and they wouldn't want to lose at the same time. I know, it's a weird dynamic. Very weird. Because... Not only are you giving AEW a win either way, but you don't want to lose for New Japan. Pretty much. That's what I'm saying. That was one of the fucking issues with this show. Was one of the issues that was always going to be the glaring freaking issue with this show. How do you book this show and not have it feel awkward for, well, maybe we should have won, but maybe they should have won. Like, it's, it's That was the one issue with this show, was how do you book this show? Always. Well, I don't think I don't think it's the problem of who should have won. It's just the fact is like when you get to these six man tag team matches. Yeah. This isn't the only one. There's a lot of New Japan AEW together thing. Yeah. When it was supposed to kind of feel like an a New Japan versus AEW kind of thing. Yeah. And I get that's like that's what you're you you have to result to when like you have all. A bunch of different people on the show. Yeah. That you you need to book. Mm-hmm. You need especially for uh, New Japan side. Right. In my opinion, there was a lot more New Japan people that weren't booked. 
then there were AEW people that weren't booked. I mean, yeah, in a nutshell. Like, they had a lot of big names from New Japan that weren't in this show, and it was bizarre. Like, it just boggled me that there, there was people not on this show, like Tetsuya Naito and, you know... Kenta. Yeah, it was... Evil, Sonata. Right, Sonata just... It, it was bizarre, like... I mean, even before, even before the fucking... Uh, the Kota Ibushi stuff that happened... Right? I, if he wasn't gonna be on this fucking show, I would have been surprised. Well, I mean, Kota, we knew why he wasn't gonna be on the show. Well, yeah, I mean, previous to the, all the Kota stuff. Yeah. Like, say, if the Kota stuff didn't happen... Yeah. It, the fact that he... If he wasn't on this show, that would have been a big surprise. Yeah. But yeah. now that all the stuff with Kota has happened... Yeah. It was pretty obvious that he wasn't. Yeah, but again, this... And even if he were to sign with AEW, it's not like he would ever... I don't think he would participate in a show like this. Probably not, especially after he, it's associated with the company that he kind of has beef with right now. Yeah. So... And he basically just fucking aired all of fucking... Exactly. ...and fucking dirty laundry. Exactly. But again, for a, a way to start the main card, again, probably one of the more enjoyable Chris Jericho matches of late. Yeah. But, but that's because, and even Sammy Guevara, like, I've been off Sammy Guevara because of him and Ty Conti's fucking disgusting, nauseating fucking relationship that they gotta constantly throw around all over the fucking world, like, don't you love us as a couple? No, go fuck yourselves, okay? Mm-hmm. But again, all the other elements around it just make it better. So it just nullifies the dislike for Jericho and Sammy, and it's just like bunches everything up in a giant ball and says fantastic match. Mm-hmm. So FTR versus United Empire versus Rapungi Vice was next. The three-way winner-take-all for the ROH and IWGP tag titles. This was a awesome match. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Again, though, do I want to say, though, that it was kind of predictable? Um, is the question. I don't think it's it was super predictable. Because even going into the show, I thought Cobb and Ocon were going to win. This was tough. Because... Like, I think... I to think me, this one felt kind it almost like you you could lean towards it feeling predictable, but it also like leans towards it not being predictable at the same time. Yeah, like for me, like I said, I was predicting Okan and Cobb to win because I thought it made more sense for them because Cobb has ties with ROH mm-hmm. and Great Okan and Cobb have are the fucking IWGP tag team champions. Yeah. So, they could just keep their tag team titles, take the ROH titles, show up in America when they need to, show up in Japan when they need to. Yeah. But, in the grand scheme of things, FTR getting the win, Yeah. It's, it's a better impact because of the fact that they now have three tag team titles titles, from three different promotions. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. FTR gets the win, I almost want to say the the Dax Harwood thing With didn't the, the feel shoulder. yeah didn't kind of feel like it needed to happen. It, it was it was unnecessary for sure. I know that I know like like uh, he says that he legit popped his shoulder out, like dislocated his shoulder. 
So they took him out to put it back into place. But, like, why did it fucking... Why did they not just put him out? Why didn't they just pop it back in out there with the camera off of him and then not have to huck him back in the ring and then go, well, now it kind of felt obvious that FTR was going to win because they had to have this big moment of, well, here comes Dax coming back to save the day. Like, it just... It, it felt weird. Like, that, that, that was the part to me that kind of made it feel predictable. Yeah. Was just having Dax go back there and then come back because it was like, well, he's going to come back out, isn't he? And then he came back out and I was just like, well, that makes it predictable. Don't get me wrong. I am fucking ecstatic because I absolutely love FTR. I love all three of these tag teams. Mm -hmm. I do. FTR winning is the right call. Yeah. Easily. Yes, it's it. They're on this belt collector freaking trip right now. You know, they have Triple A's tag team titles, they have Ring of Honor's tag team titles, and now they have IWGP's heavyweight titles. Like, they're more than likely taking the AEW titles off of the Bucks. Yeah. If I'm being honest with you, I just want to see FTR with like seven different belts. So I want to, you I want, want, to you want them, them to be like Ultimo Dragon in WCW when he had all those fucking cruiserweight titles at once. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see them with the the ROH, the AAA, the New Japan, the AEW, the Impact, the MLW tag <laughs> team titles, the fucking uh, the NWA tag team titles. Hey, you want to send them over to Impact and have them take Impact's titles? You got some interesting stuff there. Yeah. We got FTR and the Good Brothers. We have, like, any other Bullet Club members that want to team up together there. Like, FTR and the Briscoes again. Yeah, but I don't know what's going on with the Briscoes with Impact. I don't know what's going on with that whole situation. Yeah. So, it's just, but now, just think. They have the new, they have IWGP tag titles now. That means they're going to be part of World Tag League. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be mixing it up with Goto and Yoshihashi. They're going to be mixing it up with probably Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale. They're going to be mixing G -O -D. it up. Yeah, G.O.D. That is going to be one of the biggest fucking face-offs in wrestling. When G.O.D. and F.T.R., battle of the abbreviations again, face-off, it's going to be fucking astronomical. Mm -hmm. It's going to be out... It's going to be just... Freaking out of this world! It's gonna be nuts. Yep. It's it, it's it's the match everyone wants to see. God, one of the best tag teams in the world, versus arguably maybe the best tag team in the world today in FTR. Like people say, the Bucks are the greatest tag team. Still, I will debate you every time. It's FTR. And not just because they have all these tag titles. I fucking love FTR. Mm -hmm. They are just a mix of new school and old school together, and it just fucking meshes so well, and they're just outstanding. So, FTR gets both sets of tag titles. Can't wait till they go to, new, to Japan and fuck around with World Tag League, and then just what's going to happen here, because especially now that we know Ring of Honor has a show coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's yeah, so I can't wait to see what they have in store for them. Next was the Fatal 4-Way for the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic <clears throat> Championship. 
Pack Miro, Malachi Black, and Clark Connors replacing Tomohiro Ishii after he suffered a leg injury. Or a knee injury, I believe it was. But still. Again, the match is fucking awesome. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. Mm -hmm. My only one kind of eh gripe with it was... Clark Connors kind of felt like he didn't do a fucking thing in this he match. He really, he all, the only thing he really did was spear Miro through the table, and that's it. Like, I like Clark Connors. I do. But it was just like he got engulfed in this match. Yeah. He Every, was just... Everyone was just fucking using him as a goddamn punching bag. He was an afterthought in this match the entire time because it was literally pack... It was all Pack, Miro, and Malachi. Yeah. Clark Connors just got swallowed in this match and just was like, did felt like he did nothing. And Shit, that was he sad. Fucking, he took the pin in this match. Yeah. I still remember my reaction for this whole match, though. With I, I wanted Malachi to win this. Yeah. I'm just... Malachi Black feels like... With that... When him not winning this match, I, I'm honestly concerned that I don't know what we're doing with him anymore. I don't know where the House of Black is going with right now in AEW. Yeah. And it's bonkers. Because I love that stable. Miro. Honestly, I didn't think Miro needed to win it. I didn't. I didn't think he did. I know a lot of people wanted Miro to win. I just, I didn't think Miro needed to win it. Guy just came off a fantastic TNT championship run and now he's like, and now you're just going to strap another title on him, but since he's been gone for how long, like, that wouldn't have made a lot of sense. Pac winning, which Pac does win, after he breaks up this submission, hits him with a 450, and then locks Clark Connors in the, as I call it, the bastard lock, but it's the brutalizer. Taps out Clark Connors and becomes the first ever AEW All-Atlantic Champion. Happy Pack's got a fucking title finally. Mm. About damn time. Pack is fantastic. Yeah, he he's one of the originals right? that have just been like fisted in AEW. Ugh. He's gotten just no love from I mean, AEW. I mean, he missed most of the pandemic because he couldn't fucking get out of the UK. Yeah, which sucks because they needed Pack there. I would. Everyone wanted Pack there. During everything, they wanted Pac there, mm -hmm. and then finally, when he shows up, everyone just fucking loses their mind because it's like about fucking time Pac's back. So, Pac wins the title. Awesome match again. Hopefully, Malachi Black will eventually hold this title. Just something. Just I want something different for. I want something for Malachi. God damn it! Instead of this randomness, you know. Just giving him these little feuds here and then not seeing him again. Just annoys the hell out of me. The next match was Dudes with Attitudes. <laughs> Darby, Allen, Sting, and Shingo Takagi teaming up to face Bullet Club's El Phantasmo, Matt Jackson, and Nick, and Nick Jackson, since they are former Bullet Club members, they labeled them as Bullet Club for this match, with Hikuleo in their corner. Now, this originally 
was an eight-man tag. But it got turned into a six-man because, literally, the day of the fucking show, Hiromu Takahashi had to be taken out of the fucking match because he had a fever. More of this show just being cursed. I was like, literally, the day of the fucking show. And it fucking, and, and the curse strikes again. Bonkers. But we got this six man to replace the eight man. Awesome match. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Your first time seeing Shingo. Yep. What's the consensus on Shingo Takagi? Really good. Fucking love Shingo. My favorite wrestler in New Japan. The guy is outstanding. I just remember the time when he got introduced into Los Ingobernables de Japón. The, how big of a deal it felt. What? I just... <laughs> I have a feeling that Matt Ritter, when he listens to that... Oh, don't worry. The last time I said that around him, he just was, like, <laughs> confused on what the hell I was talking about. So... <laughs> He's going to be like, bless you. <laughs> yeah, he did say that that night, too. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off because I just love the way he tries to come up with the names he comes up with to to fill in for the, for the Japanese wrestlers. Fucking love it. Just Shingo, when he got introduced into LIJ, I went, okay, this is my first time seeing Shingo, and I can't wait to watch him. And then everyone kept saying, he's a junior heavyweight. And I was like... Shingo is a junior heavyweight. I'm like, no, you can't be fucking serious. But the guy moves like a fucking truck. He hits like a truck. He's quick as all hell. Like, when he upgraded to heavyweight and won the world title, just Shingo did fantastic with that title and it was just I, I i love shingo takagi guy is outstanding again my favorite guy in new japan el phantasmo now remember this during this match we had the weird fucking over build up just for a back rake multiple times mm -hmm. again, again like i told you you were like okay what the hell was that for and I tell you, that's just ELP for you. That's ELP. He doesn't... The guy's fucking outstanding, but he doesn't... He uses underhanded tactics to win matches. And I go, why? I get he's a heel. I get he's part of Bullet Club. And he does all these underhanded tactics, but when he actually starts wrestling, the guy's freaking top-notch fantastic. So... And this was, again... Not been crazy for the Bucks as of late. But this was, again, all the elements around it mm -hmm. make the Bucks better. Yeah. Like the Bucks, I will say, don't like their characters. They can still wrestle their asses off. Yeah. Easily. We had the weird Sting moment at the beginning of the match, though. Where Sting's music played. He didn't show up. He didn't come out. That's when Bullet Club made their entrance. And then the lights went out. Sting, they aimed a fucking spotlight up in the rafters like Sting was going to come down into the ring free via the freaking cord again. 
and all of a sudden he jumped off the goddamn fucking entrance ramp and took out Bullet Club to start off the match. And I was just like, oh my god, Sting, you really are trying to fucking kill yourself. I'll, I have to say, though, that the, the symbol with Sting's shadow on the background making him look like Batman... That was it was it was pretty fucking dope. That was actually pretty cool though. Like I d- I don't get why Sting keeps doing all this shit. I get it. Maybe it's just him still trying to prove that he can still go. But like, I don't I don't think it's him trying to prove that he can still go because he's already proven that. I think it's just him trying to live up the moment as much as he can because he knows that the the, the fucking Father Time is catching up with him. The fucking the hourglass is running down. <sighs> I, I guess I can see it. It's just he's just do he's just living life to the fullest at this. He point. still worries me a lot. Though. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I still go every time I see him do something crazy. I go, <laughs> he's trying to kill himself. He's trying to kill himself. Sting, stop it! I don't need you killing yourself. But he still keeps doing it. Just absolutely fucking bonkers. And I enjoyed this match so much. I really did. And I was happy that Shingo got the fucking win. Mm-hmm. Love it. Sting literally didn't freaking have to get the win. Darby didn't have to get the win. They gave Shingo the win. The the pinfall so he could get the win. <coughs> that last of the dragon finish is nuts. Like, I was just like, how he went from the Made in Japan, popped him up on his shoulder, gave him that, that last of the dragon, I was just fucking nuts. I love Shingo Takagi. Just can't stop saying it enough. Yeah. Next match, AEW Women's Title. Thunder Rosa defending against Tony Storm. Again, it was a match that was on a show that's felt like AEW versus New Japan. You have two AEW women, and mostly because Tony Storm has association with how she used to work in Japan, you were just like, that counts, right? Uh, the match wasn't awful. It wasn't the worst. It wasn't awful, but it was very obviously the weak point of the show. Yes, clearly. It was one of those things where it's like, it's not a, a terrible match. It's just, you can clearly tell, out of all this show here, and at the position of where they were, this was going to be the weaker freaking match on the show. And it, it's very obvious that the crowd, not only tonight, but in general is already off. It's not even just the crowd either. It's social media as a whole. Everybody seems to be already off Thunder Rosa as champion. I mean, that's what sucks. Is it's like Thunder... Everyone wanted Thunder as champion and we finally get Thunder as champion and again, they're booking it like shit. Yeah. Which is disappointing. It's, or it's turning people off Thunder when everybody was behind Thunder. It just doesn't make fucking sense at all. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll book fucking Britt Baker to the goddamn moon and back because, you know, that's their fucking golden girl. Even though a lot of her fucking feud, even though a lot of her run, I should say, 95% of her fucking title defenses were shit. But now it's just like, oh, Thunder's got the title. Let's book her like shit. Like, I don't, I don't fucking get it. Like, Thunder 
had to have t- like had to take that title off of Brit. Brit couldn't do anything else with that title. Mm-hmm. You needed to put it on somebody else. And again, it made sense with the story, with the two of them that they had story wise. But it was like, now you're just fucking giving up. It's like now you fucking put the title on her, and you're just like, well, I don't know what to do from here. Let's just booker in random ass matches because we don't know what to do with her it's, we didn't have all this shit planned for freaking thunder we had all this shit pr- planned for Brit though like bullshit it's bullshit we went through all that fucking spiel of can't wait till Thunder Rosa her contract with NWA expires but yet Tony Khan buys it out to get her to the fucking company and now they're just doing nothing with her Mm-hmm. Just fucking, they finally put the title on her, now they're just doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's depressing. Thunder deserves better. Give her a fucking actual meaningful title run. And then when Tony Storm actually gets the title eventually, hopefully, also, do something with her. Don't make her fucking title run feel garbage because it's not Britt Baker. That's BS. But again, it was a solid match, but again... Positioning-wise, you could tell the crowd was just kind of, eh, on it at the time. Because literally they were flying through all these matches in a row. The crowd got probably fucking drained by the time the women's title match came around. Mm -hmm. So they used it as an advantage to catch a breather. But, again, it wasn't an awful match. wasn't at all. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Again, it just felt weird because it was on a... It was a, a show kind of labeled as AEW vs. New Japan, and you had two AEW women on there. Yeah. Which is bizarre. The next match. The IWGP United States Championship. Will Ospreay, the now current champion, defending against Orange Cassidy. Now, Will Ospreay does not have the physical title because Juice Robinson. The thing that didn't make any fucking sense is Juice Robinson was at the show. And he's still claiming that he's the champ. Don't get why nobody's attempting to get this fucking title off of him. That's my question. That's my thing. Yeah. Why is nobody making a fucking, like, attempt to get this title off of him? Why is Will Ospreay not running back there jumping fucking Juice Robinson and taking his fucking title, you know? they they literally had an interview with Juice and someone else. I don't remember who it was. Someone else from Bullet Club. Yeah. You're telling me... It was Jay White, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was Jay White. You're telling me the entirety of fucking uh, Will Ospreay's crew... United Empire? Yeah, they couldn't have fucking jumped Juice... He was stole the Will Ospreay was literally with Aussie Open. Fucking Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn were literally on the show earlier. You can't tell me they lost the titles and then just left. Like, come on. They could have easily just fucking jumped Juice. Grabbed the title title and gave it to fucking Ospreay. Like, not that hard. Like, I don't get why this is taking... Why this is so difficult to get that title off of Juice. Yeah, Juice could not defend the title because he had fucking appendicitis. So at that point, it's you take the title off of him. Yeah. But like, Juice apparently doesn't realize this, that because 
injury equals fucking you can't defend the title, which equals you don't have the title anymore. Yeah. Which means once you come back, get to going after that goddamn title that you feel like you didn't lose. That doesn't mean hold on to the title, though. Yeah. It's obvious that they're just waiting to do... Juice Osprey. and Osprey. Yeah. Yeah. An clearly. Osprey juice match. But it's just like... It, it just makes Juice Robinson look stupid. It does. It really does. <clears throat> but anyway. Will Osprey defending the IWGP United States title against Orange Cassidy. This was the match I was mostly looking forward to, and it fucking delivered. Mm -hmm. Easily. Yes. Was it predictable? Obviously. Like, was there a chance that Orange Cassidy was going to walk out IWGP US Champion? Maybe. Very slim, though. Yeah. This was very, very predictable. But my God, if this match wasn't fucking insane. Absolutely incredible. Like, if, if this... If the triple threat between Omega, Pac, and Orange Cassidy wasn't enough to convince you that Orange Cassidy is as good as he is, this match did it. Mm -hmm. Like, I know a lot of people don't like Will Ospreay. I know this, okay? I, I love the guy. He's fantastic. Literally, one of, or debatable if anybody wants to the best wrestler in the world today because the guy is outstanding it's just my god he's in there with a guy who so many people don't take seriously because that's the point you're not supposed to take him seriously but when Orange Cassidy turns it up the guy just goes off yeah this match was outstanding and the fact that he kicked out that Orange Cassidy kicked out of the Hidden Blade was nuts. Like, that Hidden Blade is in, like, absolutely just... In, yeah, it's scary sometimes. It, you, it was always a scary move. Just how quick he fucking whips that arm around. Mm -hmm. We got Orange Cassidy <laughs> kicking out of the Hidden Blade, but then lost <coughs> to the Stormbreaker. Yeah. It's that weird thing that I kind of don't like, where it's like... AEW does this so much. I know. They, they hit him finisher that's obviously that obviously should be the end of the match, and they do a fucking surprise kick out just for the surprise factor, and then immediately they hit another finisher and win. Yeah, they immediately ends the next match. Like, it immediately ends the next move. Like, I don't get why that's a thing. I don't. Like, yeah, I know multiple people have kicked out of the Hidden Blade before. Yeah. But they were at the point where they were using Osprey doing the Hidden Blade as a finish. So it was like, the fact that Orange Cassidy kicked out was just like, okay. And then it literally ended the next move. I was like, okay, I hate that. I do. I hate that stuff. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. It's like, this should really end it. But you're like, yeah, just one more move. It won't hurt. But this match was clearly match of the night, I think. Mm. It's just an outstanding match. Predictable, yes. But again, match-wise, incredible. I think, it, for me, it comes down to either this, the FTR match, or the next match that we're about to talk about. Here we go. This is going to be the good one. Zack Sabre Jr., 
versus Brian Danielson's mystery replacement. Which ended up being Claudio. Claudio Castagnoli, formerly known as Cesaro. Fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Happy as hell to see Claudio somewhere that's, you know, on television again. Guy is phenomenal. This, I have to say, before I talk about what I was going to throw in here with this match, did this match change your opinion on Zack Sabre Jr.? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, just fucking nuts. I don't know what it, what it was between the last time I saw him, which was in the Cruiserweight Classic. Like, I know the Cruiserweight Classic was, like, what, eight years ago from, like, yeah. at this point. Something like that. But... Just the difference between ZSJ then to now is... It was, like... There's an astronomical difference Yeah. Now. There's an astronomical difference. The guy is a fucking submission wizard. The, the You want to talk about watching somebody get twisted up in a pretzel? Just Zack Sabre Jr. The guy can put you in any fucking submission at any fucking time. And it's like, it just makes you go, oh... I don't think limbs are supposed to bend that way. Oh, they really aren't supposed to go that way. And it's like, well, yeah. you're in the ring with Zack Sabre Jr. It's either fucking get used to your limbs going in every fucking direction or just tap out at that point. But we get Claudio Castagnoli versus Zack Sabre Jr. Like, you have me hooked. As I literally said it before this freaking show happened. Because everybody, of course, was speculating. It's going to be Claudio. It's going to be Claudio. Again. But then there was people saying that we... Because I immediately... I was one of a few that thought it was going to be Jonathan Gresham. Because... Honestly, I don't think Gresham really is a bad fit. Is a bad fit for, you know, Blackpool Combat Club. But it's like, they're not doing anything with Gresham right now, so... Yeah. Uh, so, but again... I was just like, I started throwing names out there. Like, I literally said, I don't care if it's Claudio. I don't care if it's Gresham. I don't care if it's Johnny Gargano. I don't care who the hell it is. I'm looking forward to this. This match was fucking awesome. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. We got the start of this match, and I was fucking petrified that they were about to squash ZSJ. Yeah. Claudio hits this running uppercut on Zack as soon as the bell rings, put him in the neutralizer, and got a 2.999 right off the bat. I was like, you, when he hit him with the uppercut and put him in the neutralizer position and then picked him up and hit it, I went, there is absolutely no way that they're about to squash Zack Sabre Jr. But thank God Zach kicked out, and the match kept going. Mm-hmm. And it's just, this was a, a battle of styles. And Claudio, powerhouse, brawler, somewhat partial technician, versus Zach, who's just all technician, and strikes when he wants to. And it was just outstanding. Fantastic match. Absolutely fantastic. I was so happy with this. Yeah. With Claudio getting the win. With Claudio getting the win with the Ricola bomb. 
Love seeing that move back. Can I also say that it was such a refresher to hear Kevin Kelly on commentary. Oh, God, that was that night. I, I literally said, before the show even started, I said, do you think we're going to see Kevin Kelly? I said, because if we don't see Kevin Kelly, I'm going to be a little disappointed here. Yeah. But he was on commentary, and he was on commentary all night, which I was happy. They literally just swapped the AEW commentators around. Yeah. But kept Kevin Kelly on commentary all night, so I was happy. It was Excalibur, Taz, and Kevin Kelly At basically first, all night. For and most then, of it. Like, a, one match they had Tony Schiavone on there. Um, I think the I think from Osprey's match to, all the way to the main event, they had JR on commentary. Yeah. But they still had Kevin Kelly the entire time, which, again, was perfect. I was so happy they had Kevin Kelly here. Mm-hmm. But Claudio and Zack Sabre Jr., Outstanding! I love this match. Fantastic. Again, you like you said has a definite like buy to be match of the night. Yeah. It was it was that good. We then followed up with the fatal four way for the IWGP World Heavyweight Title. Jay White defending against Hangman Adam Page, Adam Cole, and Kazuchika Okada. I thought this match was freaking awesome. I did. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. Again, was it predictable that Jay White was going to retain easily? I don't get why you would give him the title literally at Dominion and then take it off him. This, like, literally, like, the next night. It wouldn't have made a fucking ounce of sense. But, like, the ending is the part that gets a lot of people. Just how kind of anticlimactic it felt. Because you get Okada on a roll, and he hits this Michinoku driver on Adam Cole, and then proceeds to go for a Rainmaker on Jay White, which Jay White counters into a Blade Runner, and then Jay White pinned Adam Cole where Cole kind of, like, had to force himself to kick out, but the referee still kind of counted it. It was such a weird, awkward ending. Yeah. For a very, very awesome match. It was just like, damn, like, that felt so weird and so anticlimactic. And then, of course, we found out that Adam Cole got concussed, which I was like, fuck, man. Like, I so I understand the ending feeling why it felt lackluster, but again, at the time, it felt very lackluster. Just such a random thing, because it felt like the match had, like, a lot of portions to it, where it was, like, picked up, kind of slowed down, picked up, kind of slowed down, and then it was, like, just starting to get back into that pickup phase, and then it was just, like, over. And it was like, what the hell? Yeah. Very abrupt. Very abrupt, very anticlimactic, but again, match-wise, beforehand, I thought was fantastic. Yeah. I thought it was great. All I was hoping hats. to just, like, this was my first, like, official match. Like, I've heard so much about Okada, and I've seen clips of Okada. You've seen Okada from, from the gist of what you've seen of him. Yeah. But this, is, this was my first match actually seeing Okada wrestle. Wrestle. I was hoping to see a little more. I know. It felt like he was very 
subdued in this match. That's I again. I think that's an AEW thing because a lot of this felt like an AEW production, which again we've we've said it a bunch of times. Like AEW's presentation of people to like people that like people you've never seen. AEW has a pretty shitty job sometimes presenting those people to, like, others. Yeah. It's like, and I, that was kind of the thing for Okada. Like, the people that have seen Kazuchika Okada wrestle, you know how good he is. Mm-hmm. And you've seen how good he was there. But it's like, for people that haven't, it felt like an AEW thing, where it was like, their presentation for people is what made it rough to me. But yeah. again... I know how good Okada is. The guy is literally, again, on that list of possible best wrestlers in the world today. It's just, again, this match, even Jay White. Jay White has a fucking, has a a ballad for that if he wants to. The guy is fantastic. Yeah. Literally, fantastic. Again, this match was awesome. It's just the, the anticlimactic ending at the time, like kind of brought it down a little, but finding out that it was an actual injury and Adam Cole kind of just had to take the pin just so they could kind of get it over with, I understand now. Yeah. Why it like, this was like still the longest match on the card. Yeah. I mean, you ain't cutting an Okada match short. Yeah. Or a Jay White match. You ain't cutting that match short. Those two will go fucking 40 minutes. If, if and then you had Adam Cole and Hangman Page, this match could have gone an hour. It would have gone the hour time limit, and they would have had a draw and freaking had to do another one later on down the road, which would have been nuts. But it's like, from what we got out of this, even with the anticlimactic ending, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And then we had the main event. John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. For the interim AEW world title. I have to say, the crowd in this match was just kind of yeah. done. They were just done. They have... It was... Again, it was very... This show felt very poorly positioned. Because you had so much really good match, and you, ha- you gave them no break here. Like, it just, this match, by the time this match came about... I don't think it was the way it was formatted, because I think it was formatted pretty well. I think it was the fact that everything was just so... Good. Yeah, it was just so well. I mean, literally, literally, there was not a bad match, match match-wise, on this card. Like, even the pre-show matches, when they're good... Yeah. When they're all, like, when you can look at those four pre-show matches, minus freaking Archer and Camarado, which gets lost and you can just pretty much just forget it exists half the time. You look at all the other matches, like, the three other pre-show matches and everything leading up before this, every match has, like, a good to great to fantastic to incredible kind of freaking rating. And it's like... By the time they get to this match, it's like everyone's just drained. It's like we it's like, come on guys, we got one more match. We just gotta make it through this. Let's just try to keep the energy going. But it was just like they were like, 
We're trying here, guys, but it's just not working. Yeah. It like you could you could only do so so much cheering before you're just like, alright. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> like, and don't get me wrong, this match was great. I enjoyed this. But again, it was just so predictable. That's the one issue with this match for me, is it was just so predictable. Cause like, I understand, okay? If you gave Tana the title, it's a nice little interesting twist. Like, what are we gonna do with Tana? Yeah. Like, what are we gonna do with Tana Hashi? I understand. You know, eventually we're gonna get a Tana Punk match at that point. But it was like, do you really think AEW is gonna give their, at this time, interim title to Hiroshi Tanahashi, who's more than likely going to be off television until CM Punk returns? Would it make more sense to give the guy who's mostly always on television the freaking interim title, or would it be the, to give the other guy the title so it's not even on television at the time? Like, yeah. it was literally an obvious choice here. AEW went the one route that you knew it was going to go down, it gave Mox the, t- the interim title, and it, again, it's just now waiting until CM Punk comes back, and then when CM Punk comes back... CM Punk gets to walk around with two titles because the high and almighty fucking Phil. Fucking don't give a shit about that. This was one of those matches that I just... I knew these two could have a fantastic match, but with the stipulation with it, I didn't give a shit. Because I hate this interim title bullshit. It's stupid. I don't get why this wasn't for the actual fucking title. Why do we have to have a, a, a fucking placeholder title until your other champion is coming back, which makes no fucking sense in the goddamn first place? If CM Punk can't fucking compete, you take the title off of him. Plain and simple. Yep. But this is just AEW going, we gotta make the most of our investment. Like, fuck off, okay? I don't care. It's like, obvious. Everything from here on out, it was obvious. Mox was winning. Mox is gonna hold the title. Mox is going to face Punk. Punk's going to win. Plain and fucking simple. Can we talk about how unnecessary it was for John Moxley to bleed in yes. this match? John Moxley fucking gets split open in this match. And I question why. I don't not understand. Only did I question, not only did we question why, but me personally, I questioned how. I don't get it either. He was just gushing for some fucking reason. He gets hit with, like, a normal move. I don't even remember what it was, but it wasn't anything that would bust somebody open. And then he just starts gushing blood. I I didn't get... John Moxley did not need to bleed in this match. No. Not at all. Like, there's no fucking point. This matchup is not personal. This isn't something where it's a fucking blood feud. I didn't need John Moxley bleeding... In a match where he's going to be like, well, I'm about to hold this title till CM Punk comes back. Like, fucking stupid. It was really pointless why that happened. Again, match was good, but again, uh, I just didn't care because I, I, I know what's coming next. And I don't really give a shit about what's coming next. Mm -hmm. But in the end, like, yes... We had, at the time, the anticlimactic IWGP heavyweight title finish. We had a lot of 
very predictable, like, title matches outside of two. And then you had, and in, in the end, it was just, the show still ended up fantastic because it was just a, a fantastic night of wrestling. Yeah. It was all it was. It wasn't anything of importance. Titles didn't really change hands. You just crowned a new champion. Like, one title changed hands, and that made the most sense in the end. You crowned a new champion, and other than that, like, for a brand new championship, and other than that, every other title match was easily predictable. But it was just like, but all in all, it was just a fantastic night of wrestling. Mm -hmm. Easily. My one other gripe with this whole thing, though, was the ending. The fact that you had to just completely just distract pretty much the entire show to just go, hey, 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 remember Blood and Guts is up next, like, that was fucking stupid. The all-out brawl just to remind you that Blood and Guts was coming up. I, I didn't need it. I knew Blood and Guts was coming up next. They literally talked about it the night before, like, literally during the show. I didn't need you to have a full-on brawl to make me give a shit about Blood and Guts. Yeah. It was just a, a shitty way to end the show on a show that was just a fantastic night of wrestling. It was, it was a weak way to end the show. But, so, Forbidden Door... Fantastic. Wrestling-wise, I should say. Yeah. But then we move on to Blood and Guts. The rest of the show for Blood and Guts... Fucking pointless. Didn't care. It was really like it, a three-match card. It was like four or something like that. I don't remember. We had... Jade Cargill defend the TBS title against Layla Gray, which was... Freaking weird, because you had her... Jade, I'm sorry, Jade sucks. She, she needs to get better, either that or, I'm just, like, I'm at the point where she needs to lose this title. You need to get this title off of her because it's doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. You had the whole Layla Gray thing where Stokely Hathaway kind of tried to encourage her to help Kira Hogan and Jade fight off Athena and Chris Statlander just for Jade to tell her, no, fuck out of here. And I was just like, so what was the point of all that then? What was the point of her helping her if she wasn't going to get any fucking, like, reward for helping? Like, bullshit. Orange Cassidy and Ethan Page, it was just a fine TV match. Nothing really else of importance. We found out that Wardlow's facing Scorpio Sky for the TNT title. Scorpio might as well kiss the title goodbye. In a street fight. Yeah, but Don't still. that. Scorpio might as well kiss the title goodbye. And then we got to the main event. Blood and Guts. Went a fucking full hour almost. So, you didn't see the first one. No, because that was around the time that I took a short break from wrestling. Yeah. So, of course, we've seen how the first one went. Everyone's know, Everyone who's seen it knows how the first one went. Yeah, the, the cardboard. <laughs> yeah, the and the, the airbag where the fucking camera stares directly at it like, huh, huh, huh? It's like, fucking move the camera. 
Stop staring at it. This whole, again, the other freaking gripe that a lot of people had with the first one was the fact that it ended up on the top and it literally just takes everybody else out of the match just to focus on this one thing. Which this one did again. Everybody else in the match just kind of disappears while it focuses on the other people up top. It was Eddie, Jericho, Claudio, and... Uh, Daddy Magic, I'm yep. pretty sure. Because fucking... Matt Menard. Yeah, so... Magic Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this one... The other freaking issue with this, with the first one, was it was swamped with fucking commercials. This one got the same treatment. It was fucking swamped with commercials. It's just every time... Something time, big happens. Yeah, it was just... They a, cut to a commercial. It was just every time you would start to get interested and get back into it from another commercial, something big would happen, and then they would go to another commercial. Right. Like with the, the Eddie Kingston fucking Sammy Guevara spot on top of the cage. Yeah. They took a fucking commercial after the big cage spot. Yep. It's like you have everybody amped to watch this match... And as soon as you're watching this match, you just get them cutting to a commercial. It's like, everyone's excited! And then everyone's just kind of cooling down. It's like, fuck, man. Like, this match... Like, you... this Since this was your first one, your consensus on this, literally after the show, because I remember it Wednesday night, what did you say about it? Like, entertainment-wise, it was... It was just a car crash. Poor freaking... You can't go wrong with a car crash. Poor Santana, too. Yeah. Fucking... He was just barely in the match, and, and then he got injured. obliterates his fucking knee. Yeah. That's sad. Like... Plus the whole stuff that's going on with Santana and Ortiz right now. Why do I... I don't fucking believe it. Like, how are you telling me that Santana wants to leave... Because him and apparently Ortiz have issues with each other right now. Like, that doesn't make fucking sense. They've been together for how long now? And you're just gonna be like, now all of a sudden they got issues with each other. Like, what? Yeah, fucking... I, I don't know. I don't know if any of that's true. I don't either. I don't fucking believe it, because fuck dirt sheets. It's fucking stupid. But, my general consensus from this is, like... Um. This this can't be a TV match. Mm-mm. This this has to be a pay per view match. Yeah, this match can't thrive on television because it gets swamped with commercials. Mm-hmm. It gets fucking full of commercials. You hit a big fucking moment where it's like, yes, this is fucking awesome, and then you cut to a commercial and it just it it's a fucking flip flop for the pace of this match. And I don't... And it just... It can't be a TV match. It has to be a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And it's like... It would actually mean more on a pay-per-view. More than it just being a television, like, special. It's... There was a lot of stuff in this that I was just like... Like, first off, Angelo Parker. Guy gets fucking absolute split open. Like, he's a mess. Yeah, because he gets pile-drivered on fucking broken glass. At one point in this match, before they cut to a commercial, 
He's outside of the cage in a tree of woe in one of the trusses just dangling there. And I go, how the fuck did he get out there? Like, first off, maybe because Jericho's a fucking wizard, so he just poofed him out there? I don't fucking know. He's like, I'll get him out of Dodge. But he just didn't have enough energy, magical energy, wizard energy, to fucking get him out of the goddamn cage fully. So he just ended up putting him in a tree of woe in a truss. It was fucking weird. I don't get how he got there. They tore up the ring. That didn't even come into play. <laughs> like, it was just... I don't know. I, I, I liked it, but I didn't like it at the same time. I think it's because I mostly didn't like it because of the fact that it, it, it it's a TV match and the commercials kill it. Yeah. It's it, just it, what it's, sucks. It's just swamped with commercials and it just ru completely ruins the flow of the match. Yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed what we got out of the match. Don't get me wrong. Well, we did get out of the match. I enjoyed it. But, like, the commercials kill a lot of the like the pace for it so it's kind of like you're excited and you're not excited and you're excited and you're not excited and I'm just like oh come on like yeah start saving this match for pay-per-view stop putting it on television because all it does is get swamped with commercials and that's what sucks I, I can't get invested in giving a shit where all of a sudden this crazy big spot happens and then it's like well sorry we gotta go plug Papa John's we gotta go plug fucking Zizol. We gotta go plug fucking Miralax and all this other shit. Like, I don't, I don't need that shit. I need a fucking. If I want to watch this match in full, I want it to be like watching Stadium Stampede. Yeah. I want to watch it without no fucking interruptions. Same thing. So you again, you don't see fucking WWE trying to put War Games on a SmackDown. That would be atrocious. That'd be so fucking disastrous to have that as a thing. Yeah. That would be a bitch. Or if anything, if you're gonna have fucking blood and guts, just contact fucking TBS and be like, hey, can we have like an hour of commercial free? I mean, that's or a like lot. Or like 45 for them. minutes of commercial free. Right? Like, even if you wanna do one, like even if it's just one, then fine. But you can't just put commercial after commercial after commercial after commercial and like if you want to have after one every big spot exactly that is such a bad pace for a match that you're supposed to be fucking excited like for like that pile driver on Angela Dar Angela Dawkins <laughs> <laughs> on fucking uh fucking cool cock <laughs> fucking that pile driver on the broken glass that wasn't picture in picture. Mm-hmm. We didn't even see that. Right? We just come back to Angelo bleeding. And it's like, unless you watched it in picture in picture, you know, fucking, you ain't gonna know what happened. And then not to mention, the, uh, the one time that they had a picture in picture, it literally just cut off. Yeah, that was And near... still kept going with the commercials, and we're like, what in the fuck? That was at the end of the match. That was near the end of the match. That was after the fucking table bump. Yeah. They cut through there, and they were still fighting on the top of the cage. And it went to a picture-in-picture, picture and all of a sudden it cut back to the commercials, got rid of the picture-in-picture, picture, but then came back to the match. And I was like, well, what if something happened during that commercial? Am I supposed to fucking know what happened? Am I supposed to have fucking all-seeing eye that tells me, well, that happened during the commercial? Like, no, I don't. 
I'm not a fucking psychic. I'm not a wizard like Chris Jericho, apparently. And then, speaking of the end, uh, top of the cage, like we, like we said, it's Eddie and Jericho, and then it's, uh, Claudio and Magic fucking Mouth. And Again, it was another fucking moment of everything on the top took away from everything in the bottom, because it was like everybody else just didn't exist. Yeah. Eddie has the fucking, the stretch plum on, and then, uh... On Jericho. Claudio has the sharpshooter on Magic Mouth. Uh, they both have it on the same time. Uh, Matt Menard taps, but Jericho doesn't. Eddie Kingston thinks that he got the win, but then he realized Jericho isn't tapping. Claudio gets the win for the team. But, I have to say, for... As well known as it is that Eddie Kingston and Claudio hate each other, in quotations. Mm -hmm. Eddie Kingston, outside of the video that we that you saw, or that uh, was seen after Forbidden Door, yeah. where uh, Eddie Kingston is yelling at Mox. He's yelling at Claudio. Yelling too. at Claudio, he, he spit at him. Yeah. In this match, he showed, like, zero, zero hatred for, for Claudio. I mean, literally at the beginning of the match, they, they, literally, fist, they, do, they literally do a fist bump yeah, with each other. Yeah, they do a fist like, bump. And then, like, at the top of the cage, sure, uh, Eddie Kingston seemed frustrated. Like, I like, like I like that ending. I don't, I don't hate that ending. Because I like that whole thing of it feels like Eddie was this close to finally getting redemption on Jericho, and again, he didn't get to get it, which I like that, honestly. I don't mind that ending. Yeah. But it was like, it was and just it, weird. With and the it also whole. plays into the the Eddie Kingston, or Claude, I keep wanting to call him Cesaro. I know, it's... Claudio. It's, it's freaking... The, the Eddie Kingston-Claudio, like, quote-unquote, hatred. Yeah. But it was like... At the top of the cage, it felt like it was, like, leading towards some sort of brawl. Because why would Eddie Kingston just be disappointed? Eddie Kingston is not the type of person to be disappointed. If something doesn't go his way, Eddie Kingston's going to flip shit. Right? But it, instead, Eddie Kingston's all, like, mopey on top of the <laughs> cage. He's like a fucking mopey hippo on top of the fucking cage. <laughs> he's like fucking Eeyore on, oh top of the, on top of the cage. He's like, oh, okay. I, I was I so close. I didn't get to tap Chris Jericho out. <laughs> I guess that's fine, I guess. We still won. Alright. Like, like I said, I didn't mind the ending because I get it. And uh, people keep saying, like, watch this lead to an Eddie Kingston Claudio feud again. Yeah. Which it again, probably will. Yeah. It's just. I don't know. It's just. It's in, again, this match was. It was good, but it wasn't at the same time. Yeah. It was one of those, like, 50 50 kind of matches. Uh, it was like, you can you enjoy it, but then it gets swamped by commercials and all this other stuff. And it's just like. It, it can't be a TV match. Yeah. It just. It, it, in the end, it just proves that it can't continue to be a TV match. Easily. So now we're going to move on to last night's Money in the Bank. We're still today 
the IWC is fucking exploding because of what happened at the end. Which we'll get to when we get there. Yeah. Consensus of this show, though, what would you say? It was Great. pretty damn good. Yeah, this show was probably one of the better Money in the Bank pay-per-views. Minus, like, one match. Mm-hmm. So the show kicked off with the women's Money in the Bank. Again, I like this whole thing of one starts, one ends. That's how it should always, always be, be yeah. match types. If you right? have two, two of the same match type, one should start, one, one should, should end. end. Yep. It doesn't matter if it's Money in the Bank, TLC, Elimination Chamber, Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. One should start, one should end. Same with mm-hmm. the Rumble. In my opinion, the women's, or if you think the men's has less build... A rumble should start, and a rumble should end. Yep. There shouldn't be, like, a rumble in the middle, and then tw- 25 minutes later there's another rumble, because mm-hmm. that's just fucking tiring. Yes. Rumble to start, rumble to end. Yep. Elimination chamber to start, elimination chamber to end. Yep. Right. Go on, so on, and so forth. Yep, any other matches like that. One starts, one finishes. So, participants. Alexa Bliss... Oscar, Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans, Raquel Rodriguez, Liv Morgan, and Shotzi. I will say Shotzi fucking sucked in this match. She was atrocious. I I don't know why. Like I had people saying that it was the others in the match that made her look bad. No, she just looked awful in this match. There was the whole spot with the ladder. Yeah, that whole... Raquel. When it turned... There was like a tug-of-war between Raquel by herself versus three women. It was like Shotzi and Liv and I think it was Asuka yeah. at one point. And they finally backed Raquel into the corner with the ladder and they dropped the ladder down in a ramp spot like so somebody could run up the ladder, get her in the face, do all this other stuff. Shotzi attempts to run up the ladder and just eats shit. She just stumbles, falls off the ladder, lands on the freaking mat. Okay, so I'm thinking, okay, let that be the only thing that she fucks up, okay? One little thing in this match, she'll freaking do it. Because even right after this, she attempts to try to redeem herself. Which ends up, in the end, looking like shit, too. She attempts this, like... DDT on the ladder while Raquel's trapped in this ladder. She tries to DDT her on the freaking ladder and it's like nothing. She keeps like trying to force herself down. It's like Raquel didn't know what the hell was happening right now. It was like Shotzi fucked up so much and she kept just trying to do other things to make up for the freaking fuck up and it was just like everybody didn't know what the hell was going on because it was like what the hell is she doing? Like, it was just random. Yeah, she looked terrible. Literally, she looked awful in this match. This match made me realize... I I, I had the, the the thought in my brain that Shotzi being called up was way too soon before the hand. But this just amplified it so much. It, it's just fucking crazy. Like, it wasn't... Like, again, it wasn't an awful women's money in the bank. Like, we had... A couple spots, like, 
Raquel did the double suplex on Asuka and Liv on a grounded ladder, which looked like it fucking sucked to take. Yeah. I liked that she attempted the one spot where Liv was on one side, Asuka was on the other, and she tried to pick up the ladder with the both of them. And I like how she just was like, nah, I can't, I don't think I can do this one. Like, she, even she knew she couldn't do it. Yeah. So she just kind of dropped it, and I was just like, okay, I get where she was going. with. I, I get what she wanted to do there, but I don't even think she thought she could do that. There was that weird spot with her where she picked up the ladder early on, but then kicked Lacey Evans in the face. And I go, well, why the fuck did you pick up the ladder then if you're just going to kick her? Like, that didn't make any fucking sense. Use the ladder. <laughs> I don't get... I, I've seen people do that before where they'll freaking be in a ladder match and they'll pick up the ladder but then kick somebody and stuff. And I'm like, well, why aren't you using the ladder? You just picked up the ladder. Use it. But then she turned around and whacked somebody with the ladder and I was like, okay. Fine. But then again, like I said, we had Shotzi's weird freaking spots. Like, she was just awful in this match. She had that weird... Like, she kept doing the whole... Grabbing somebody off the ladder by the leg, trying to pull them off the ladder, and just praying to God that they weren't going to get back up. Well, was she like, wasn't the only one in this match. Yeah, there, there was, was a lot. There was like six or seven different times in this match where a woman would just, they would go into the ring, grab the person's foot off, and tug them off of the ladder, and then climb up thinking that's going to be enough to fucking get the briefcase. I hate that spot. I hate that so much. When somebody's climbing a ladder and you grab them by the leg and pull them off and then start climbing yourself like they're just not miraculously going to get up. Yeah. You look like a it's, moron. It's so that. fucking stupid. It looking. is so dumb. It's like um it's like Baron Corbin when he would when he was Baron Corbin and he had the the long hair he used to wear the shirt because he has the fucking frumpy sad, sad stomach. stomach. And <laughs> His moveset was like, he was like so basic, such a basic moveset. I remember in a bunch of matches, he would just do a punch. He would just do a normal punch and then go for a pin. I was like, yep, that's, that's going to do it, Baron. Yeah. Yep, a fucking punch is going ki- to fucking get him enough to, to like, win the like match. Again, I get he's a Golden Gloves boxer, but like, but so his just, punch is... It's just a basic Punch. That's what I'm saying. It's so not his like punches. The, it's not like the Big Show's fucking right hand yeah. or like Mike Tyson fucking punch you in the face. It's yeah. just a normal fucking punch that you see Baron Corbin do 15 times in the match. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, this one's gonna do it. No, no, Baron. <laughs> get a fucking moveset. Thankfully, now he has a moveset. We had the weird, we had the weird spot with Raquel and Asuka, which was like... I don't know what the hell was going on there. Like, oh the yeah, where she sets up the ladder bridge, but that she's like clearly trying her fucking hardest to hit the chincona bomb on the ladder, or and Oscar's ha- bomb or whatever the fuck it's called. Now. Yeah, and now and then Oscar's just having fucking none of it. She's like, nah, I ain't fucking doing that, and she still go ends up getting up on top of the ladder where fucking Becky grabs the tall ladder climbs halfway up. We literally talked about the the thing with the with her pulling the ladder closer cuz she put the ladder so fucking close to that ladder bridge and we were like, "What the hell?" We're like, "That's a little close, but we know how Becky does her leg drop. She yeah. barely puts and any fucking jump yeah, into her, it." Her leg drop that she does either off of the top or the second rope infuriates me. Because <laughs> anybody who does a top rope leg drop 
actually has some fucking height to them. When they mm-hmm. jump, they have the fucking the the momentum of them bouncing off the ropes. Becky doesn't bounce off of the ropes. She just, she puts just her falls. Leg. She just puts her leg out and lets herself fall. And that's it. And it, it's so annoying because, like, usually top rope moves, you have, like, some... You get some distance, you get some momentum up in the air. No, Becky gets them as close as possible so she could just fall off of the top rope mm-hmm. into a leg drop. She, and that's what she did here. She, did, she got the ladder as close as the fuck to the ladder bridge as possible... Did the leg drop on the ladder, and the ladder didn't break. Well, at that point, I didn't expect the ladder to break. I really didn't. I didn't look at that spot, because if you look at where she was, if she'd have climbed all the way up and done it, I maybe would have I maybe would have given the ladder a chance to break. But Becky only gets, like, halfway. Like, yeah, not even, like, maybe not even halfway. She yeah, just gets she up a climbed, little bit. She climbed, like, 40% of the ladder. She just gets a little tiny bit up there, and then just kind of jumped. And just kind of free fell, and just, just kind of sat on Oscar from like a from a height, and just yeah. lands on Oscar's midsection, like. So I didn't expect the ladder to break, but again, the whole Raquel and like Oscar thing was bizarre because they were just like, yeah, you know, it's like one of them didn't want to do it, one wanted to do something, Raquel but they was couldn't. Trying so hard to hit her finisher on right? the ladder, she like, tried was to power bomb none of it. Or she, or she tried to power bomb Oscar through the table. Asuka wouldn't do that one. She had the weird, like, transition to the arm bar, which turned to, like, the attempt at the freaking powerbomb, which Asuka got out of that. Yeah, like, she they, she tried to do it on top of the announce table. It was just a regular powerbomb at yeah. one point. And then Asuka reverses, jumps down from the table. Remember, no, she was on the table, remember? And then she grabbed her and did the roll through into the arm bar, which was weird. Well, no... They were trying to do the power bomb from the table onto the ladder, and then I think Oscar reversed it and then kicked Raquel, which made Raquel go off of the the, the onto the, the floor onto the table or off of the table onto the floor. Oscar's still on the announce table, and then Oscar locks her into a like a, a rolling arm bar. Yeah, like an arm bar. Raquel reverses it, goes for the her finisher again on the ladder. Oscar reverses that again. Fucking goes into another rolling arm bar and then does the arm bar, and then she has the arm bar on the floor, and then they pick Raquel picks her up again into the arm bar or into her finisher, I should say. Yeah. And Oscar reverses again, and I'm yeah. like, "Are you fucking kidding yeah, me? Oscar just do did, the spot." Oscar <laughs> just did not want to take that move. I don't know. She just did not trust that move. <laughs> uh, she she was just. But again, I thought this match was good, for the most part. Oh yeah, it this was good. Was- this match was pretty damn good. Yeah, we get the weird, we get the crazy spot where Becky's in the middle, in the, in a, there's three ladders in the ring, there's also side the, by side. There's also the spot where fucking Shotzi splits herself open. Yeah, she does her senton, like, dive off the top where she attempted, I don't know who was on the ladder. I think it was Becky. It was, um, Liv? It was Bliss. Oh, she had Bliss on, she had Bliss on there? Okay, yeah. yeah. She went, Bliss on she the went ladder. for her senton off the top rope. And smacks her head. It was either I, it was a it was a blonde. It was either Bliss or Lacey. <laughs> I think it was. So she attempted the the senton on a ladder. On a, on a on somebody who was prone on the ladder, and she comes off the top rope. They get out of the way, and she just absolutely eats shit. Like her head, 
shit whips off that ladder. Yeah, and then the next time you see her, her face is covered in all fucking dried blood. Yeah, like, she It was obvious that, like, after that spot, she split herself open, and then they... just took her off of she camera. Clearly to clean her up. She clearly fucked herself like up. She she pulled a Mr. Kennedy from Mania twenty thirty. That's my thing. She clearly fucked herself up, like big time. I don't know if you remember that, but Mr. Kennedy in yep. WrestleMania twenty three's uh mm-hmm. Money in the Bank yep. match, he goes for the Kenton bomb onto someone on the ladder yep. and he just completely overshoots it. Fucking cracks the back of his yeah, head on that the ladder. Was fucking gross. I Thankfully, he didn't fucking split himself open. I was amazed. But he didn't. just fucking cracks the back of his head on the la- on that ladder. And it, it just, it reminded me, as soon as she did that, I was like, oh, she hit the fucking back of her head. Mm-hmm. And then they showed the replay of it and just justified yeah, the fact in that In slow motion, not yeah, nonetheless. So bad. It looked so, again, like, she wasn't doing good to begin with, because she was looking... It, awful to yeah. begin with to start with but then it was just like she just fucking threw herself out there and just cracked her head on the back of that on that freaking ladder and it was just nuts mm-hmm. like it looked so bad but it was like it looked like it had to suck we had the 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 three ladders in the ring side by side by side in there yeah and that, becky's that climbing was, up the that middle that was after the the ladder bridge spot with Austin yeah. so she was basically out yeah so we had I, I don't remember who was on both of the like, letters. One was Lacey and Raquel. Yeah, no, it was um, in the middle. It was just Becky, Becky by herself. On yeah. the right of Becky, it was Shotzi and Raquel because she pushed them off first mm-hmm. onto the the ropes, yep. and then it was Lacey and Alexa on the left side. Yeah, it was just so she. They end up. Finally getting to the part where Becky's by herself, and I'm going, dear God, do not let Becky win this, like, at all. Like, I get, like, it makes sense for her to redeem herself over her losing streak at this point. But again, somebody different, for God's sake. That's all I was wanting. Mm -hmm. So Becky's up there. Liv finally gets back in the ring. And starts climbing up the other ladder next to her. And I'm going, oh dear God, Becky's going to hit her with a manhandle slam off this ladder and Becky's going to fucking win it. And then Becky kicks the ladder with Liv on it, who starts to topple over, but she puts her foot on the top rope to save herself, shoots herself in the ladder back up to a standing position, hits a knee on Becky Lynch, floats over to the middle ladder, Climbs up and wins Money in the Bank. Fucking Liv Morgan won Money in the Bank. All I wanted was Liv Morgan winning Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. And it finally actually came to fucking fruition. Like, when she was winning the, the past few nights, like on Raw and on SmackDown, I was terrified. Because I go, well, that just justifies yeah, cause she ain't winning. She's been on a streak. Yeah. She... She goes in and fucking just... And she won Money in the Bank. And I got so... She's won three of her past four matches. The only match she she lost was that uh, five-pack challenge. It was just... That Carmella one. Yeah. Like, she won her qualifying match with Bliss. Mm -hmm. She won against Bliss. She won in the sixth woman tag on SmackDown. Yep. So, 
she was on a nice roll going into it, and it was just like, fuck, that means she's not going to win. But lo and behold, she used all that momentum, and she ended up winning this match, and I was just fucking ecstatic. Absolutely ecstatic. Liv Morgan's been busting her ass, Mm -hmm. getting so close to winning the women's title. You know, and now she and now she had money in the bank. She has money in the bank, like in her grasp. And I was just fucking ecstatic. Just finally, the one person I wanted to win this, and she ended up winning. Just so happy. Like perfect way to kick off the show was having Liv Morgan win. So happy. We then followed up with Bobby Lashley and Theory for the United States title. This match was great. Yeah, it was actually really good. Like, I didn't expect... Like, I didn't expect these guys to have a bad match. I know how good Theory well, is. Well, I, I expected these guys to have an alright match. But no. I didn't expect them to have this the as good of a match as they did. See, Lashley... We know Lashley's good. And we know we know how fucking good Theory is, for God's sake. We get it. The, the build to this freaking match has been dog shit, Okay. It's just been all pose downs. It's a, uh, this whole fucking feud started with a pose down, for God's sake. Like, if that isn't one of the worst ways you could ever start a feud, then I don't know what is. Yeah. But we know how good these two are. So I didn't I, I didn't expect a bad match between these guys. Especially well, I didn't expect like, a bad match either, but I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Oh, this was nuts. This match was great. Yeah. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. They really did. Theory loses the United States title to Bobby Lashley. Now, don't get me wrong, I am fucking ecstatic. Bobby Lashley's a champion again. But, like, Austin Theory kind of got the shaft. Well. Well, don't. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But we'll, at the point, we'll at the time. At the at time. At the time, we thought. It theory was, was getting. Theory got the shaft. Yeah, at the time, it felt very much like. A Stephanie McMahon initiative. It was so bizarre, like... Because as of late, it it feels like... Excuse me. It feels like uh, Stephanie is just, like, cleaning house. And, like... Which is good. That's... needs to be right now. That's what was reported when she was put into fucking power, is that she planned to clean house. Mm Mm-hmm. Theory losing, at the time, the U.S. title... It felt very much like it was like, okay, we're just going to get anything Vince McMahon related out of here. I mean, again, but at the time, Theory felt like he got the shaft because the guy had one title feud with Mustafa Ali that sadly was very disappointing because all it turned into was a televised punishment for Mustafa Ali. Because how dare you even think of wanting to leave us? So we'll just punish you on TV where you look like a fucking joke the entire time, which is bullshit because Mustafa Ali is outstanding. Mm-hmm. And that's just it. Nothing else. Just loses the United States title. Like, I was like, wait a fucking second. I was mind boggled. I'm like, that. That's it. I'm like, you. I, I know it's Bobby Lashley, alright? It's the Almighty. But, like, I kind of expected Theory to retain. 
and keep going with it. You know, give him something of a U.S. title run. But it's just over. And Lashley's got the title, but I'm fucking ecstatic to see what Bobby Lashley could do. You know, his third United States title run. Maybe he could get some kind of fucking credibility back to this fucking title. Something. Just so The only thing that we realized is that if he holds this title for at least five months oh, God. till Survivor Series, we're going to have Bobby Lashley versus Gunther. I, I, I can't. You, you cannot fucking skip out on that matchup. Bobby Lashley versus Gunther. Like, I didn't know I wanted this until I wanted this. <laughs> like, I didn't fucking think about this matchup. Barely has crossed my mind. Like, you know, we got the fucking matchup. The, the big dream match that Bobby Lashley has wanted. The match that we've wanted to see Bobby Lashley have. The one with Brock Lesnar. And it, it sadly became a disappointment. But if you're about to tell me that we have the possibility of Bobby Lashley going one-on-one -on -one with Gunther, you have me fucking... You have all my attention. Do not, and I repeat, do not take the Intercontinental Championship or the United States Championship off of these two men until after this happens. Do not. And the same goes for the IC title as well. Yeah, that's what I said. Do not take, do not take the Intercontinental Championship and the United States title off of these two men until after this fucking title... Until after this match happens. Do not. You hold them... I don't care if it's fucking five months. You fucking keep them having a title run for five months. Give me Lashley and Gunther. Mm -hmm. Give me it now. Don't even fucking wait for Survivor Series. Just give me it. I don't care what show. I don't care what fucking day of the week. Give me Lashley and Gunther. The next match, Raw Women's title. Bianca Belair defending against Carmella. Again, this ended up being one of those matches where Carmella looked good. And I give Carmella a lot of flack. A lot. Because she just doesn't do it for me. But it's like, she always fucking gives me a reason to like her somehow. Like... There's times I'm not crazy for her, and there's times I'll go, that was a pretty solid Carmella match. And, honestly, this was one of them. Because Carmella looked good. Bianca looked good. Bianca retains. Mm -hmm. Very short match, but again, just to give Bianca a title match that was supposed to happen on Money in the Bank, that got changed to this didn't have to go all out with it. Just have Bianca have a title defense and move on from there. But in the end, we kind of look like we're continuing this because at the end of this, Bianca gets the win and then Carmella jumped Bianca. Which was fucking weird because 
Carmella was going back up the ramp talking shit like she just did something incredible, yet Bianca got right back up and was holding the title above her, and I'm like, mm -hmm. Carmella, you, you didn't really do anything. You jumped her, but you didn't keep her down. She wasn't laying, you didn't, so you can't really call that a big fucking, like, big victory for you, when all you did was jump her, but she got right back up and is holding <laughs> the title, and I'm like, Carmella looks fucking stupid right now. Yeah, she looks so stupid fucking celebrating the fact that she didn't, <laughs> that she beat up Bianca. But didn't but leave her laying. Bianca literally was on the mat for maybe seven seconds. <laughs> maybe. And I don't know if that's a testament to fucking, or not even a testament, just the fact of fucking Carmelo not being fucking strong enough to keep her down, <laughs> or Bianca not knowing how to fucking sell a beatdown. <laughs> but again, it wasn't a bad match. It wasn't that bad. It was fine. I I, I, I didn't hate it. Yeah, Look. just like uh, Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm, it was pretty obvious that this was the, like, the, the lull of the show. Well... The second no, lull of I was the going show. to say the other one later on yeah. is the lull yeah, of the well, show. Yeah, yeah. So, followed up from the Raw Women's title, we had the undisputed WWE Tag Team Title match: Usos defending against the Street Profits. In the end, this match is incredible. Yeah. I will say it again. The first half of this match, it goes 23 minutes flat. Mm -hmm. The first half of this match is a fucking drag. Yep. Like, I get the Usos are heels, okay? But holy shit, are they quite possibly some of the most, like, pace killers ever? The whole first half of this match is incredibly slow. And I don't... It's it. That's on the Usos. Thousand percent. They just... I don't know what it is. They are so... Like... The whole taunting every fucking time they do something. Barely fucking doing it. They were fucking rest holding it up tonight. Like, last night. It was nuts. I was like... I'm watching this, and I'm going, can this match, like, fucking pick up? Can this pick up? And I'm sitting there just watching this, going, something fucking... Someone hit the fucking, like, flip a gear or something yeah, right like now. the first 11 minutes of this, of this match, we were, like... We were probably, like, six or seven, maybe eight minutes into this match, and I literally look over to you and go, this match fucking sucks. Yeah, it was, it was a drag. But then finally, like... Everything picked up. Yeah. It was like the first half, slow as shit. But as soon as that fucking switch flipped, it was just fucking balls to the wall. Mm -hmm. This match was nuts in the second half. Yeah. Overall, this match was so good. This is le legitimately, quite possibly, one of the best tag team matches this year. It was mm -hmm. fucking amazing. Easily match of the night. Like... Again, there was so many people talking about, is this the part where Tez turns? Is this the part where Tez turns? And I go, why do you guys want to lose more tag teams, though? I'm just sitting here thinking about it. We're, that's another tag team gone. Yeah. Look at the fucking, at, as, the, as this stands right now, if you cut the Street Profits, 
Look at the tag teams you have left to challenge the Usos. Really? You, you have, have the Viking Raiders who just turned heel. Yeah, you. If you split the Street Profits, you have two baby faces, babyface teams in the Mysterios and the New Day. Yeah, and now there's that talk about fucking is Dom gonna turn? So that would be another tag team gone. So then what do you have? We don't... We're, the status of the Dirty Dogs is unknown at this mm -hmm. point. We don't know if they're still a tag team, if they're both going singles. I have no fucking idea. Bobby Roode's hanging out in Canada. Dolph Ziggler's hanging out in catering. I don't know what the fuck's going on with the two of them anymore. So I don't even count them at this point. Until I physically see that they're still a tag team. They showed up the one night, got confronted by Omos, and just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And then Dolph showed up in the fucking Last Chance Battle Royal. Last Chance Battle Royal on Raw, which made no fucking sense because you still had one guy left to fucking decide who was going in Money in the Bank at the time. But we'll call it Last Chance. Didn't make a goddamn ounce of sense. Dolph shows up in there by himself. And now they're both just disappeared again. So we don't even know if they're still a tag team. But you have Los Lotharios, which is another heel tag team. Which apparently also Angel Garza is injured now. Great. Yep. <laughs> so that's another tag team not fucking existing. Again, you have the Viking Raiders, who you just turned heel. And then you have the New Day. Do I really want to sit down and watch the New Day and Usos as much as their fucking tag team matches are outstanding? But how many times can you watch fucking New Day versus Usos for the... 10,750th time before you start getting tired of it. Like, Tag Division's suffering enough with the fact that you merge the titles as they are. But then you have zero fucking teams to begin with. You're either gonna have to start calling people up, which I don't know how many, which, that fucking kills NXT's Tag Division if you call people up. Mm -hmm. But you ain't got no fucking teams on the main roster at this point. Because you got injuries and teams that are just fucking broken up. So what do you do? Usos are literally just going to keep constantly getting their numbers raised. While fucking nobody fucking challenges them. That's why I'm saying the Street Profits, as much as everyone loves the idea of Tez going solo. It's not a good idea at this point. In the tag division needs some fucking teams, and you can't afford to break up another team mm -hmm. at this point. If you break up Tez, if you break up Montez and Angelo Dawkins, like, it's just gonna be like a, a dead tag division. Especially yeah. if they break up the Mysterios. If Dominic, if all this people, like, talking about, is this where Dom finally is gonna turn? That's another fucking team out the window. Then what? And especially since, fuck, of course, take this with a fucking grain of salt. Uh, Dave Meltzer talked about the Street Profits breaking up. Ugh. And he said apparently they do want to have Montez as a single star eventually. But they're probably going to have Dawkins be the heel in the scenario. I mean... And it's, it's just going to be one of those situations where the bigger dude always turns heel on the little dude, and then the little dude always fucking excels and over-fucking-weighs the fucking the 
the bigger dude, and the bigger dude's gonna end up getting fucking lost in the shuffle. I mean, you put you put the it out there that there's one other tag team, and that being Judgment Day. Yeah, but they would need to turn the Judgment Day babyface. Yeah, and at this point, I don't think, I honestly don't think there's any saving Judgment Day. I don't. I think this fucking faction is just dead. It's dead in the water right now. I don't I don't see what you can do with this faction anymore. The minute they took Edge out, it's it was dead. Finn Balor to to WWE is not convincing enough because look at for Christ's sake. Finn Balor has been fucking irrelevant for God knows how long because WWE and fucking Vince McMahon is bullshit. With fucking, I don't like Finn Balor because he's the flippy guy. Does Finn Balor look like he does nothing but fucking flips all the time? No, he doesn't. Fuck off. It's just, I, I, I fucking hate that Judgment Day just feels like nothing anymore. It doesn't. I, Edge was the only thing keeping that faction relevant. And it's like, now it just doesn't feel like it's anything anymore. Yeah. And that's not just because Ray is not there. It just doesn't feel as important anymore. It just feels like, ooh, dark, spooky faction. Cool. Like, well, no, not really, because what's left of this fucking faction at this point? Yeah. Sadly... Judgment Day is gonna flop. I, I told you, hands down, I said it the night that they turned on Edge. That, because it wasn't, why, because it wasn't working? Like, he's even Edge, yeah, it was still relevant, but it wasn't really, like, that fucking amazing at the time, even with Edge, because you had a fucking feud going on with AJ Styles that was incredibly one-sided, and it was, like, nothing different. Every fucking match was the same thing. It was literally Edge and AJ just dissecting each other in fucking slow, methodical freaking matches, and it all just ends in, oh, somebody's joining Judgment Day. Like, and then the sixth man just, after what happened on Raw after that, it just doesn't make a fucking ounce of sense anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just a sadly dead faction. So, again, I love how I just went from talking about if tag teams are going to break up and got to Judgment Day. Like, tirade. That's not really a tirade. Let's go. I'm just saying. As much as everyone wants Montez Ford as a single star, I don't think you can actually afford to have him break up with Mo with Angelo Dawkins right now. Yeah. Not with this tag division being as, like, freaking washed out as it is. So after this, SmackDown Women's Title Match, Ronda Rousey defending against Natalia. The build to this fucking match sucks. Absolutely sucks. Like, Ronda cut one good promo, and that was the one on SmackDown where she talked about that she's not accustomed to Natty being out there without her chest hanging out. Other than that, I haven't given a fuck about this feud whatsoever. And that's mainly because I, I'm i not crazy for Natalia. 
I'm not. Like, I, I like Ronda. I do. But I, even I can admit easily that this run right now hasn't been that good. Mm-hmm. Compared to her first run, this secondary championship, this second championship run has been nothing close to this, to the, the first one. So, during this match, we got a lot of Ronda work in the arm. We got a lot of Natalia working the leg to lock the sharpshooter in. It was like, I don't know, I just didn't fucking care. I wasn't feeling this at all. Yeah, this match sucked. It just, it wasn't good. It was just, it was tough. Like, I liked their, like, I think one part of the match I liked was the, like, submission exchanges. Where, like, Ronda went for the arm bar. Natty countered that and was, like, attempting the sharpshooter. Ronda went to go get turned in the sharpshooter, but she was able to turn it into an ankle lock. Like, I like that whole, like, sequence there. That led towards the end. But other than that, I didn't care about the rest of the match. I really didn't. Like, I liked the little sequence of exchanging submissions that led to Ronda getting the armbar and Natty tapping out. And that was really it. Like, the rest of it, I just didn't really... I wasn't interested. I just wasn't. It just wasn't doing it. Like, I was just kind of bored watching the match. And that's mostly... That's part, part, partially on Natalia. Because Natalia just... Do I just say she's boring? Yes, because she is she's very just, boring. She's just a, a snooze fest watching her do this. Like, again, she worked the leg. She worked the leg, tried to get the sharpshooter. Rhonda put a sharpshooter on her, which I was just like, take that CM Punk and all the people in AEW that attempted the sharpshooter that one night, and they all fucking failed. Rhonda put the sharpshooter on, and I love how she did the Shawn Michaels pose, which was kind of a dick move, but I kind of laughed at it at the same time. But then Rhonda ended up tripping in the sharpshooter, and I was like, that's kind of on her, because she's, like, not posted up with her freaking feet close together. She's kind of in, like, a split motion, like, her feet are so fucking far apart, so there was no other option for her but to fall over. But again, like I said, I like the sequence of exchanging submissions that led to the armbar tap out. But other than that, mm-hmm. rest of the match did nothing for me. So, Ronda wins via tap out. She's hurting still with the knee. And all of a sudden, Liv Morgan's music hits. Ronda Rousey with a fantastic fucking expression where... Just, she hears Liv's music and she looks over and goes, shit. Yeah, she goes, ah, shit. And I was like, that is wonderful. And out came Liv running out and I'm like, well, now's the time more than anything right now. You know, Ronda's hurting. Why not take advantage of that? So, Ronda's slowly pulling herself up to the top. She starts pulling herself up. Referee hands over the briefcase, bell rings, and it's official. Liv went for one kick, and Ronda caught her in an ankle lock. And I go, oh my god, for fuck's sake, do not let this woman fucking lose the money in the bank tonight. That would be the worst thing that could ever happen. And she was in that ankle lock for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, this is fucking terrifying. Because every time she kept pulling herself towards the rope, Ronda pulled her back. She got closer to the rope, Ronda pulled her back. Liv able to arch herself up just enough 
standing on her hands, kicked Ronda in her bad leg, rolled Ronda Rousey up, and pins Ronda Rousey and wins the SmackDown Women's Championship. Holy shit. What a fucking night last night was for Liv Morgan. Yeah. Fucking finally, Liv Morgan is champion. About fucking time. Ronda took the title. The referee had the title in her in his hand, but Ronda took it from the ref. She finally stood up. She held the title over there. She hands it. She gives Liv a hug, and I literally read Ronda's lips where she's like, "You deserve it." She goes, "You beat me." She goes, "Good job," and then held her hand up and walked off. A lot of people I've seen said that they didn't get that fucking point as to why that just happened. Like, why did Ronda pretty much lose to Money in the Bank, but then go, great job, you beat me. Like, I was like, well, just think about it right here. Maybe Ronda Rousey is happy to put some fucking people over. Unlike a certain fucking android that's not here right now. Thank the fucking Lord. Like, literally... I, like, that fucking whole thing right there just proves my point. Charlotte Flair hates putting people over. Ronda Rousey will put people over. Easily. When, like, yeah, Ronda's title run was shit. Okay? Easily. But at least she did the one thing that needed to be done. And that's take the fucking title off of Charlotte. That's literally, like I said, the one good thing that could have happened was having her take the title off of Charlotte. That was all that needed to be done. Wouldn't matter if it was a good match, a bad match, nothing else. It needed to be done. Charlotte needed to lose that title. Because it was miserable with Charlotte as champion. Yes, Ronda's title run, when she won it, has been kind of weak. Ain't nowhere freaking compared to her first run. This right here shows you that Ronda Rousey is willing to put over people. Literally. She's like that fucking happy that she just put over Liv Morgan. She literally just put over Liv Morgan. Look how big of a fucking win that is. for Liv, A big fucking statement that is for Liv Morgan. She beat Ronda Rousey. Like, what the fuck? Liv Morgan has had quite possibly one of the best 2022s from the Royal Rumble with the Sarah Logan thing, which was fucking heartfelt, mm-hmm. to her getting multiple women's championship matches and coming damn near close to having everybody want her to win the goddamn title, to her winning money in the bank and cashing it in and beating Ronda Rousey to finally become champion. If that ain't a fucking fantastic 2022 in a freaking in a like a, a ball, in a ball right there, then I don't know what is. That's outstanding. You know, I, I what happens with Ronda, I have no idea. I can't even give a a, a slight thought as to what is going to happen with Ronda. But the fact that she, if she's going away to take time off, the fact that she just put over Liv Morgan is a fucking great thing. 
So good on Ronda Rousey. Apparently, it is supposed to be living Ronda again at SummerSlam in like an actual match. Fine. Imagine Liv Morgan actually beating Ronda Rousey again. That's a big fucking deal for her. You want to solidify her title run early on? Have her beat Ronda. Yeah. Have her beat Ronda. The, the, the women's division, like, is not going to suffer with Ronda Rousey not as champion. Liv Morgan deserves her time to fucking shine. Like, let her have a run with this title. Do I have a feeling that we're going to get the fucking absolute carnage and the disaster that's going to be what's to come with it? More than likely. And I am terrified when that time comes. You damn straight I am. I am mortified when that fucking time comes. Mm -hmm. Because you know what's going to happen. Yep. But right now, let's fucking enjoy it while we can. And hope to God... That she gets a good run with this. I do have to say, though, and this, this is just a, a slight a slight little annoyance. And that is? When in the hell are we going to get a women's money in the bank <laughs> I holder, knew this was coming. Hold it for more than a day. I love, love I want to see this one. Carmella, the first ever winner, held it for 287 days. Hmm? Bliss held it for 90 minutes. Yep. Bailey held it for 60 minutes. Oscar held it for 24 hours before realizing the belt was in the briefcase. I mean, think about it, at least for Oscars, think about it this way. It's the only first time ever forced cash-in. Is that's the good thing. That's the one thing about it. It's the first ever forced cash-in. Fucking... Nikki A.S.H. held it for 24 hours, Ugh. and now Liv held it for about 90 minutes. Somebody said, watch fucking Liv Morgan. Someone said, this is the time, which I believe it was J.C.B. from Band from Ringside. He literally said, this is either where it's going to be Liv standing out, or Liv turns into Nikki A.S.H. And it is. This is the fucking time. This is the time. But it is, I, I, I do agree with that. I don't get why WWE's thing for the women's money in the bank is cash it in the same night or cash it in immediately the next night. Like, why does nobody hold it longer anymore? Like, I get the fucking big deal, like, if they, like, cash it in the same night, but it's like, somebody, like, you've done that now how many times now? Like six? I don't even know. Yeah, it's been a lot. You had Bliss, uh, Bliss, Bailey, technically Oscar, Nikki, and now Liv. Five years in a row. That's just nuts. You've done it either same day or day after. Are you that fucking lazy? Uh, I. I hope eventually we're going to start changing that. But, like, again, I am just fucking ecstatic. Yeah. Liv Morgan's champion, finally. Again, give her a run with it. Do not fucking sweep the rug out from under her in fucking no time. Because there will be pissed off wrestling fans. Especially for you-know-who. Yeah. 
Yeah, we we I mean we know, sadly, that that's probably how Liv's title run's gonna end. Yeah, is at the hands of the fucking you know freshly don't married. Even, nope, don't even don't even say her name. Yep. Nope. If you say her name, she appears. You know what I wish that would have happened? I wish that fucking AEW would have taken her. Let them deal with her, so we don't have to ever deal with her ever again. Because. You know for damn sure if she went over there, it's going to be chaos. With her over there, because with Brit and Thunder and all the shit that keeps going on backstage about with all the other women, it's going to be fucking chaos. And I kind of want to see what that fucking chaos would be. If how the hell they would handle it all. More than, you know, watching... A certain somebody just constantly get fucking reprogrammed and shoved down our throat over and over again mm -hmm. because she's too fucking petty to do the right thing and put somebody else over. Anyway, main event, men's money in the bank. Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss, Matt Riddle... Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Sheamus, and fucking almost. Of course, you know me. At this point, I'm going anyone but almost. Because, boy oh boy, this match did not get me to give a shit either any more than I already didn't about almost it's just absolute match just comes to like a fucking standstill watching almost in this match I was like he was really fucking pointless in this match I fucking couldn't stand it I I, I, I don't I immediately said when almost qualified and when this match fucking happened like started I go Whoever fucking sat backstage and said, we should put almost in money in the bank, you should be fired for being that fucking stupid. You should be fired for being that fucking stupid. Why? Who looks at fucking seven foot three, 400 plus pound almost and says, yeah, that'll really spice up the fucking money in the bank match. You fucking idiots. And the, the problem is, is like, we're almost in this match. He, he, he tried to climb the ladder once. But he had at least 11 different opportunities to climb the ladder. The first time he climbed the ladder, he climbed two, maybe three steps before Drew and Madcap tipped it over and he took like a, a six centimeter fucking drop that he landed on his feet for. Ugh. And then every other time that he had the opportunity to climb the ladder, like he would take somebody out, the ladder was already up, instead of climbing the ladder, he decided to just, like, stare up it. He was just staring up the ladder. Like, alright, maybe if I look at it, the briefcase will fall down on top of me. He's so... I just, I don't, I don't get who thought that was a good idea. I don't. I don't understand 
how you look at that man and go, that was the right idea to put in that match. Literally. I don't, I don't get it. But this match, before it even starts, Adam Pierce comes out and pretty much announces that there is an eighth participant. And out comes Austin Theory. Austin Theory is now in Money in the Bank. Okay. Deep down, I have no issue with this. Because honestly, I kind of thought Austin Theory was going to be in this match to begin with. But anyway. So Theory's in. This whole match, Austin Theory does absolutely fucking nothing in this match. He literally got like 30 seconds of match time in this fucking match and did nothing. He literally slept through most of it. Yeah, especially after he got a uh, especially after he got double choke slammed by Omos. It's just so theory's not even like half the time like 90% of this match he's not even involved in it. Fucking Omos is bringing it down. Madcap is actually doing solid in this match. We got the crazy-ass bump with Omos, which is probably the fucking only big-ass bump he'll ever take in his fucking goddamn badass, in his fucking terrible fucking career. Yeah, it was it was Sheamus, Drew, Madcap, Sammy, and Seth. And Sheamus. They were all there, minus Theory. Minus Theory and uh, Riddle, I think it was. No, Riddle was there, too. I don't think Riddle was there. I thought he was. I'm pretty I think sure. It was, I think it was Drew, Madcap, Riddle, Sammy, Seth, Sheamus. They all lifted him up in a gigantic fucking powerbomb and fucking chucked him. They, like, crucified him. He was, like, he looked like he was crucified and then just threw him through the announce table. And that table just said, nope, fuck you, and just disintegrated. <laughs> so, probably the only fucking good bump almost will ever take. Yep. Other than that, fuck off. Eventually, it comes down where Riddle finally gets the advantage, but then Seth gets involved, intervenes, Riddle hits a BRO off the ladder, taking out Seth, finally gets back up, starts making an attempt to climb up the ladder, gets damn near the briefcase, Austin Theory finally gets back in this fucking match. One of the only times that he was actually in this match was near the end here. Theory climbs up the ladder, starts brawling with Theory, or starts brawling with Riddle on top of the ladder, knocks Riddle off the ladder, and Austin Theory wins money in the bank. First off, okay, I have... Really no issue with this, but I also kind of have an issue with it at the same time. Am I happy Austin Theory is money in the bank? Honestly, yeah. But am I also not happy about it? Yes. Because it just feels way too soon. Way too soon. 
I would figure he would have had a stronger run with the United States title first, and then probably won this next year. Not this year. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't have shit worth of a United States title run. But now it's just like, let's upgrade. We'll give him money in the bank. Like, it, it just feels way too soon. Yeah, I, I agree that with the fact that it feels way too soon. Like, uh, Theory had the U.S. title for maybe a month, if not shorter than that. And it's, it's just way too soon. Like, I get the whole... Like, I told you, this yeah. is, just adds heat to Theory because it he's fucking uh, Vince McMahon's pet in character or not, either way, he's still fucking Vince McMahon's pet. Yep. So it just adds heat to theory, and as much as people don't want to admit it, Money in the Bank is a heel character's dream. Pretty much. Like, we've had baby faces win Money in the Bank, but, like, it's Money in not the Bank... The, it's not the same when, it, yep. like... Having a heel win money in the bank and cashing it in as in the most opportune scenario <laughs> is just it just fits way too well. Yeah. It's just again, it just feels so rushed. Yeah. And I don't know and it's like I <laughs> like it, but I don't at the same time. It's one of those fifty fifty decisions where it's just like it's cool and all because I like I do I like Austin Theory, I think the guy has got everything it takes to be a fucking champion, to be a top guy, top heel, whatever the fuck he wants to be. The guy's got it all. It's just, it, it just feels like they strapped the rocket pack on just way too soon, way too soon. Yeah. Like, I know Rollins, I know he was involved with a lot of the pandemic stuff, like, where he was with Rollins, and with Andrade, and all that other stuff like that, but it was like, that was really nothing of importance. Like, even with the United States title, like, again, should have at least given him a little bit of a longer U.S. title run, and honestly saved him winning this for next year. Like... This just feels like... When you look at this right now... Roman Reigns... Or Brock Lesnar... Like... The the SummerSlam Last Man Standing match... Is a perfect opportunity for Money in the Bank... Pers- like anybody to cash in... At that point... Those two are gonna... Beat the shit out of each other... Yes, I don't give a fuck about the match... I could give two shits... I'm tired of seeing Lesnar and Reigns... Over and over again... I don't care if it's Last Man Standing... Dog collar, fucking exploding barbed wire death match. I don't give a shit, okay? I'm overseeing Reigns and Lesnar. Like, enough's a fucking enough. Does anybody honestly really think, even if after a last man standing match, that Austin Theory is going to beat Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns? With money in the bank, it seems pretty obvious. It's just, 
the only one to me that makes sense, that makes a little bit of sense, is having Brock win. Brock would have to win at SummerSlam, and then Theory cashes in on Brock. That would be a huge win for Theory by beating Brock Lesnar, but it would also be payback for Elimination Chamber. Again, I just don't... I, I just can't escape the whole it's just too soon for this. You didn't do anything with the, enough with Theory to really kind of back this decision to me. So that's just kind of my one gripe with it. Like, I like... like again, I like Theory and I think this could go very well. But I do think it's very... I just think it's too soon, for the most part. I think another year would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. So, again, I know the, the IWC's in a fucking meltdown right now with Theory winning. It's just like... I'm, I, I'm just trying to make some kind of sense out of it. That, like, tells you that I do like it, but I'm also kind of like on the fence with it at the same time. And that was my, this was my way of kind of describing it. That I'm like, I like the decision, but I'm kind of on the fence about it too. Like, it's just iffy to me. But all in all, I think Money in the Bank was a great show. Yeah. All in all, a great show. Like It was. Like, we've had now two straight shows... Like, Forbidden Door, and now this. Fucking, if you watch Slammiversary, that was a fucking fantastic show. Like, right now, WWE's been nailing it with the pay-per-views, I could say that. AW made up for the disappointment that was double or nothing with Forbidden Door, wrestling-wise. But it's like, other than that, like, we got SummerSlam at the end of the month, and it's like... What, what do we do? What are we gonna do here? Yeah. Now it's just along for the ride at this point. So just gotta see what comes of it, right? Like, like I said, we'll see. We what's... only know one match or something. Well, tech two because apparently after Money in the Bank, Corbin attacked Pat McAfee, mm-hmm. and Pat McAfee, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon. And Triple H went to a UFC, the UFC show, and Pat showed up in a neck brace, yeah. which, good on Pat McAfee for selling that like he did. And then also the Happy Corbin-Pat McAfee match was made official. Oh, was it made official? Yeah. Did not know it was made official, so that's awesome. I'm looking forward to that because Pat wrestling. Yeah. The how only could, other thing... How could you not be excited for Pat McAfee wrestling? The only other thing that's got me iffy is the Logan Paul thing, which yeah, I don't which, know if... Which, it, might just be fucking Logan Paul versus The Miz. Which, at that point, I'm fine. Because what you told me, with the whole possibility of it being Logan Paul and AJ Styles versus Miz and Tommaso Ciampa, fucking, you keep AJ Styles and Tommaso Ciampa as far away from this fucking bullshit as humanly possible. (laughs) I don't care what the other two, what those two do at that fucking show, as long as it has nothing to do with fucking Logan Paul and The Miz. I could give two shits about this clusterfuck. Listen, 
I know I said it WrestleMania, the night of WrestleMania. I don't like Logan Paul because I think he's a cock. I do. I think he's a prick. I think he's a fucking tool as a human being. When he steps in a wrestling ring, after seeing what I saw at WrestleMania, guy can go as a wrestler. Don't get, make me give a shit about him whatsoever. Because yeah, same here. Don't like him as a person. I think he's a prick. And I don't like his brother either because fuck him also. So, Miz and fucking Logan Paul want to play around with each other. Keep everybody else as far as humanly possible away from them. Let them do their thing. AJ and Tommaso Ciampa go do something else that's not involved with this fucking schmoz that we call fucking reality television over here. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Fucking stupid. Stupid. But that's it for us. I'm going to wrap it up here. Forbidden Door, Money in the Bank, Blood and Guts, the more important stuff. We'll be back next week. We'll also be back soon, I should say, with our other classic pay-per-view review. Yeah. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Find the show on almost every platform. Apple, I don't have Apple freaking products, so that's not easy for me to get it there. So hopefully eventually we'll get it there. Until then, you can find it on any other platform. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me at JustinTime211. Follow me on Twitter at JeremyInTime721. And we are out of here.